From award-winning restaurant industry news to original analysis and reporting you can't get anywhere else, restaurant business memberships provide you with the information you need to future-proof your operation. Subscribe now with code RBPODCAST21 for a free 30-day trial and get the tools you need for growth and success. Why have restaurant industry sales recovered so quickly? Hello, this is Jonathan Mays, Editor-in-Chief of Restaurant Business, and in this week's episode of A Deeper Dive, I speak with David Henkes and Kevin Schimp, who work with RB sister company, Technomic. Technomic publishes the annual look at the top 500 restaurant chains and also provides a forecast for how sales are going to go. David is a senior principal with Technomic and Kevin is a senior research manager. And they provide an inside look at some of the challenges of measuring and forecasting sales during a pandemic that has changed things very quickly, both for good and for bad. They also discuss the industry's recovery which and who has recovered the most. In short, they see a top-heavy industry recovery largely led by the very biggest chains. They discuss the factors behind that recovery and how long it could last. Please have a listen. Okay, I am here with uh, David Henkes and Kevin Schimpf. Ke- David and Kevin, welcome to the podcast. Thank Hello. you, John. So, uh, Pleasure to be here. Yeah. So this really, really appears to be a very strong year for restaurants, kind of a surprisingly strong year. Uh, David, what is Technomics forecast for 2021 right now? Well, as we look at 2021, Jonathan, we we as of our last forecast for restaurants and bars are predicting about a 20 percent, 19 and at 19.7 percent to be exact growth in restaurant and bar sale. If you're talking about the broader food service industry, uh, we're looking at about a 22.3% growth. And this is all in nominal. So this is dollars. Uh, and I think that's important to note, Jonathan, because we we forecast in a lot of ways. Uh, and we've got clients that are interested in real growth, right? There's commodity suppliers and there's uh, distributors that look at case movement. And so we forecast both in dollars and in and in what we would call real growth, and real growth strips out inflation. Uh, and we can talk about it, but inflation is certainly one of the big things driving industry growth right now. When you talk about the dollars that consumers are spending, so we're we're looking at a real strong year, and it's something that my colleague Joe Pollock and I are going to be looking at probably in the next three or four weeks just to see, because I think even you know since our last forecast in June, things have probably been even a little bit stronger than we had even anticipated in June. And so we're going to be looking at it again. But as of right now, we're saying the industry is going to grow 22.3% in terms of consumer spending. Do we have a sense in, in terms of perspective? Do we have a sense that do we expect the year to finish better than it was in 2019 before pandemic? So... <laughs> What we've started doing, and it's a great question because most of our clients, and whether it's the chain restaurants, whether it's suppliers, distributors, none of them are benchmarking their business to 2020, right? It's just too hard. And and it was such a disruptive year. And so we benchmark our data back to 2019. We've started doing what we call an index. And so uh, if the index in 2021 reaches 100, that means we're at 100% of of pre-pandemic 2019 sales. And so uh, first parts of the industry, yeah. I mean, we're looking at right now for uh, you know certainly limited service restaurants. 
Uh, we see limited service restaurants finishing at an index of 112, meaning it'll be 12% bigger than it was in 2019. Full service restaurants, maybe not so much. We've got an index right now of about 93.7, meaning that it's not quite back to pre-pandemic levels on a spend level, on a spend basis. And then there's some other segments that are going to take a while yet. Recreation, hotels, business feeding. Uh, and so it's sort of a mixed bag. Uh, but I think if you're specifically talking about restaurants, limited service, for sure, we're, we're expecting that to, to well exceed 2019 levels. Wow. So we're seeing, so basically what we've seen this year is a massive shift of sales, like in an accelerated shift from full service to, to limited service. Is that fair to say? Yeah. I mean, listen, full service restaurants, we still have growing about 33% in terms of consumer spending, but the challenge is that it it's off of a much reduced base, right? I mean, full service restaurants were impacted so much more negatively than than the limited service chains or some limited service restaurants overall were. And so the growth number for full service restaurants looks pretty good, you know, 33% growth. Um, but, you know, it's, 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 it's really trying to dig itself out of a huge hole from 2020. And so, yeah, there, there's definitely been a shift when you look at consumer spend and you sort of segment it out or you share it out to, you know, where they're spending their money. For sure, right now, they're spending a lot more money as a share of their total spend in limited service than they were uh, in casual dining or full service restaurants before the pandemic. Mm -hmm. Kevin, uh, how much of this uh, recovery is coming from chains? A lot of it, Jonathan, to be honest. So right now, as, as Dave kind of said, we've got a most recent forecast for the top 500 chains, and we just updated it here in August. And right now, we're forecasting 14 and a half percent sales growth year over year uh, for the top 500 chains. And that's after being down a little bit over 8% uh, in 2020. And it's it's all coming from those top 100 chains. In a lot of cases, just the top 10 chains. You know, McDonald's has had a great uh, first half of the year. Chipotle has had great results. KFC, great results. Starbucks seems to be bouncing back fairly well. So, the, the industry is really top heavy and these top heavy players, they're seeing a lot of growth and, and pretty surprisingly impressive results through the first half of the year. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I, uh, I'm not entirely certain I had expected a recovery this quickly. I mean, I, I assume that like that top 500 forecast essentially would put it above 2019 levels that, that benchmark. Yeah. Yes, correct. Yeah. And a, a big differentiator too, and, and Dave kind of alluded to this, is a lot of top 500 chains held on to their locations. Mm -hmm. They didn't go, go through those big closures that so many independents went through. Uh, so when you have, you know, this essentially similar count of restaurants back to 2019 and through 2020 and now into 2021, uh, you know, it's really helping to, to drive sales and drive these impressive results that we're seeing. Right, right. So um, is this, uh, I mean, uh, just generally you two, I mean, has the, the speed of the industry's recovery surprised you? David, you want to take that first? I mean, is that- Yeah, I mean, I, I think absolutely it has, right? And so, you know, we very quickly pivoted, you know, back pre-pandemic, Technomic would issue two, maybe three forecasts a year, right? And so very quickly last March, we realized that, you know, this was going to be, a year unlike anything else. And so what we started doing was putting scenarios together, right? So we kind of did a best case, worst case, because if you remember back March, April, May, 
too many variables. And so, you know, we kind of started saying, all right, well, you know, here's what we think is the upper end of what could happen. And here's sort of the lower end of how bad it can be. And I think as you start to look at some of these, you know, results now, we're, we're definitely in a lot of cases better than where our best case scenario would have been, you know, even toward the end of 2020, when we started, you know, really, you know, putting some hard numbers around 2021 and, and into the future. And so, you know, to some degree, you know, the bounce back. And again, you know, to Kevin's point, it's been chain driven. It's been largely limited service restaurant driven. And so, you know, I think I think the restaurant recovery um, has been somewhat surprising. Now, that said, right, if you look at our longer term five year forecast, because Technomic also does a, you know, what we call, oddly enough, our long term forecast, right? It's five years. Um, a lot of the growth that we're anticipating sort of shifted up, I think. And so, you know, even as a lot of these numbers started recovering, at some point, we're going to get back to sort of stasis. We're going to get back to where we were pre-pandemic. And, you know, and consumers can only eat so much, right? I mean, it's not like, uh, you know, blue jeans where you can keep buying more and more blue jeans if you decide to, to, you know, that you want a pair for every hour of the day. I mean, at some point, consumers and their ability to eat starts to slow down, right? And so we are going to, you know, rapidly start to slow down. Now, we've been talking a lot about dollars. Uh, dollar growth is going to continue probably based on the inflation, right? And Jonathan, I know you've written about this extensively. Inflation right now is, is I think, certainly the highest I've ever seen in Technomic, and I've been doing this 25 years. And so a lot of the growth is certainly just off of restaurants charging more and, and the inflationary impact that menu price increases have had on, on the industry. And so, you know, from a real growth perspective, if you start talking about traffic or orders or things like that, it's, it's, it's not, it's still doing well, but it's not growing nearly as fast. And so I think to some degree, the industry recovery has happened faster, but I think it's also when we start talking about measuring in dollars, at least some of that is, is driven by the, the higher inflation rates. Mm-hmm. Kevin, you have any additional thoughts on that from a chain perspective? I mean, this, this surprised you how strong some of these companies were? Yeah, and it has been really surprising. And I think, too, some of it's driven by just how quickly a lot of chains were able to pivot to off-premise. And you look at Chili's and It's Just Wings and so many of these other virtual brands that have popped up. Uh, People's adaptability has really driven some of this recovery, uh, you know, kind of making sales out of out of thin air in the uh the late stages of 2020 and into early 2021 uh you know just ingenuity i think happened at a much faster pace than i was even expecting and so some of that helped uh push this recovery faster as well right Right. The, the numbers that I think that, that we're looking at, and I was looking at your, uh, you know, your same store sales tracker, Kevin, and then I calculated the two-year number because I'm a nerd, is, um, uh, you know, some of these steak chains have really thrived, um, have done very, very well for themselves. Uh, and certainly, of course, if, if you look at the top restaurant chains, um, you know, they've, they've done extremely well. McDonald's, you know, like McDonald's alone can have an outsized impact on the total number because it's so big. Um, but then you have, you know, you, you have, uh, Taco Bell did really well. Chick-fil-A did very well. Um, all, uh, 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 you've seen some recovery at Subway. Uh, you've seen some continued strength at the pizza players, which I would not have predicted necessarily. 
So you've seen a lot of uh, just real strong performance there at the top that that was 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 pretty impressive. How, how concerned guys are we with with that inflation number? And because a lot of this is coming in like, uh, you know, prices year over year from limited service restaurants are up six percent. Um, you know, uh, less or so at full service restaurants, but they're not exactly lower in prices either. So how concerning is this to you, David? I think it's very concerning. I, you know, I, I tell anyone that'll listen that there's really two things that can derail this recovery. And, and the two things are somewhat interrelated. It's labor and it's inflation, right? And so inflation, listen, right now we've seen a pent up demand coming from consumers like we haven't seen in, in years. And so Certainly the summer has been great. Spring and summer have been great as people have just unleashed their spending and have wanted to come back to restaurants again. But listen, as we get into the fall and as you know, some of the realities of life start to set back in and, you know, and weather gets cold again, I think people are, you know, they've shown that they're not price sensitive, at least, you know, as of, you know, sitting here in, in August of 2021, but that's, that's certainly going to change. And then, you know, certainly that labor issue, which is, you know, limiting, uh, uh, you know, oper- hours of operation and it's limiting the menus that, that restaurants and, and food service operators can offer. And so those are, those are the two things that I'm most concerned about. And so, you know, certainly this inflation piece is something that, you know, and if it were just food inflation, that's one thing, right? But it's, you know, supply chain issues that, uh, you know, kind of feed into, into it. And it's, you know, gas prices and, you know, and prices across the board are going up on a lot of things. And so consumers, as we get into the fall and, you know, as we move into the next year are going to be faced with, you know, the shock of spending more on everything. And so I do think restaurants and restaurant spending becomes a little bit more vulnerable as we, as we move, you know, away from this unleashing of pent up demand. And so it's, it's something really, I think, to be concerned about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think it's, it's uh, worth pointing out that people have had more money um during over the past year and a half thanks to government stimulus payments more recently because of increases in pay uh so people have more money they have more money to spend they haven't necessarily been spending it on some things so they're not necessarily going out to uh, they're not taking well i mean they're taking vacations now but you know they're not uh you know they're not spending maybe as much on gas because they're working home they're doing some other things and and you know because of that you know they've they've certainly been willing to absorb the prices and to me you wonder how long they can keep doing that i agree it, it, you know, it, it it really seems to go against sort of the industry's like uh, the fact that they've the industry's been so willing to raise prices to this level um and be okay with it um you know usually they freak out about having to raise prices and and, and lately it seems that they they haven't they haven't done so kevin you have any thoughts on this uh, you know, getting back into what Dave was speaking about a little bit there in supply chain issues, what kind of concerns me is, and this is a little bit more subjective, is, you know, do these supply chain issues ever start to turn consumers off when they can't get uh, the favorite items that they may seek out at their favorite coffee place or their favorite wing place? Uh, and does that start to turn people away from restaurants? They say, well, if I can't get what I want or if the packaging doesn't fit for the order uh, quantity or size that I want, uh, do I just stop ordering at some point and start cooking from home a little bit more again? So uh, the inconvenience factor, maybe 
maybe won't uh, play a role here in the future, but we'll see uh, so many supply chain things to, to keep track of and, and who's dealing with it. It's been really interesting. Yeah. And, and Jonathan, just to, to build on what you were saying about, uh, you know, the restaurant's willingness to pass along price increases, it's, at some point they don't have a choice, right? I mean, it, you know, restaurants operate on such thin margins and, you know, with labor and, you know, in some markets, you know, I mean, you know, forget mandated $15 an hour. I mean, it's, it's happening just because they can't find it. And so, you know, labor costs and food and beverage costs and packaging costs and supply chain issues, all of these are conspiring against them making any kind of money. And so if they're going to stay in business long-term, uh, you know, they've got to raise prices. And, and so it, it's not, I guess you're right in that, you know, restaurants have been reluctant in the past to do it, but I think it's, you know, it's almost a matter of survival right now. I mean, when you talk to them, I mean, they're raising prices like crazy and, and a lot of them still aren't making money. Right. And so it's not like they're they're raising prices and padding their margins or padding, you know, the the bottom lines. I mean, they're they're raising it just to stay in business. And I think there there is a real concern there that if that continues, and you know, as we discussed, if consumers become less willing to pay that, that you could see a second round of you know, failures of restaurants, right? You know, where, you know, it, it, and it would seem kind of odd. We're out of the pandemic, you know, hopefully 2022, but you know, if if some of these challenges continue, you could see another wave of restaurant closures just because they haven't been able to keep up and, and make any money, even as uh, all of these costs are increasing. Yeah, man, we haven't seen nearly as many restaurant closures uh, as I thought. Not even close. Yeah. Uh, what was your guys's numbers for, for last year, Kevin? Do you remember off the top of your head? So many- top 500 was down just two percent. And that's off of like two hundred twenty five thousand total restaurants in the top 500. So not a lot. And it was and that number was driven by just a handful of chains who went through mass closures. So it was like one chain, one chain, one chain, (laughs) one chain. And it was it was very surprising. You know, people temporarily closed, but we did not see as many permanent closures as we thought we would. And that was very surprising. Mm -hmm. Let's uh, let's let's talk a little bit about. uh, So how do you how do you guys calculate your forecast? Because I'd imagine that that was pretty challenging for you the last uh, year and a half, trying to figure out where everything stands and where everything is going to go because things have changed so rapidly um, in this business and consumers have acted very differently than many of us expected. Uh, Could you guys talk about um, uh, how you, the process that you guys use to, to come up with your forecast every year? Yeah. And sort of the the tongue in cheek response, Jonathan, is it's a little bit of an art and a little bit of a science, right? And so, you know, and 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 the thing is that you know, Technomics fortunate that we've got a lot of people that have been with us for a long time and have been doing this for a long time. And so, you know, when you look at at our forecast process, we always start with government and available economic data, right? So, blue chip economic advisors is a big report that we look at. We look at you know, other financial firms and what they're projecting. We look at government figures. We look at, you know, certainly employment numbers and consumer confidence numbers and even things like gas prices. And so, you know, there there is to some degree a historic relationship between all of these. Um, but what we have to overlay then is the industry stuff, right? And so, you know, we are constantly in the field surveying consumers, surveying operators, talking to distributors. Um, we have databases of distributor information. We've got point of sale data. 
Uh, we've got uh, obviously the same store sales numbers that some of the chains put out. We've got you know other companies, you know Compass, some of the the management firms put out their you know, quarterly or annual numbers. And so, in a lot of ways, you know, we are the process is sort of a formulaic look at every segment of food service, looking at available information, looking at our survey information, looking at what is forecasted from a broader perspective, and trying to, you know, put some probability of occurrence on where that growth is going to occur. And that's, you know, that's when last year, as we were talking about these, you know, best case, worst case scenarios. You know, that, that's really where I think, you know, we probably shown the best is because, you know, we knew that we weren't going to be able to put out one number in April of 2020 that said what the industry was going to do. And so our clients were saying, give me a range of, you know, where it's, you know, what it what it could be. And I think as, you know, as we've come through this, we've gotten really good at looking at all of the different situations in the state, you know, lockdowns and the mandates and things that have been, you know, certainly as, you know, as dining rooms were closed back in 2020, that had a big, uh, big impact on things. And so you start to model it out and you start to model spending, right? We've got month by month sort of models of, of consumer spending in each of the operator segments that we track. And we start to put a probability around which way it's going to go based on all of these inputs. And so it's a, it's a fairly lengthy and time-consuming um, uh, process. And, you know, sometimes, you know, companies will ask us, why don't you update them more often? Well, you know, A, we, you know, we want to be sure before we issue a, a new revision that we're actually seeing a trend play out and not just reacting to a month or two worth of data. But second of all, it's, it's, it's a really lengthy process. And so, you know, we're, we're constantly watching these things, even when we're not forecasting. And so, like I said, our last one was in June. Uh, we'll be issuing one again in September. And so the process is really just starting now for that, uh, where we're going through all of this again, right? And we're going to look at all of these different inputs and start to put them into the model. And, uh, and you know, and we'll, we'll see how, uh, uh, what comes out of it. But, you know, obviously, there's also the test of reasonableness that, you know, having done this for 25 years, and my colleague, Joe Pollack, having done this 30 years, uh, Kevin's been doing this a long time. We all, you know, we all have sort of a, you know, at least a, uh, a detector of, you know, does this feel right? Right. And, you know, and we'll also take it out to some of our clients and, you know, and, and we know what they're hearing and what they're seeing, right. Because we're talking to all of the big distributors and chains and everything. And so it all, it all feeds into the algorithm and feeds into the process. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And just to build a little bit on what, on what Dave was saying is, you know, my kind of cup of tea is uh, tracking chain performance and, The one big thing that helps our chain forecasting is having such a lengthy historical database of chain performance. So we can look back and see how a chain like McDonald's or Subway or Chick-fil-A performed in, say, like the recession of 2009 and know how uh, that impact of the recession may play out in a pandemic. Not that they're super related, but at least it gives us some type of context for when you know economic issues happen, what may happen in the restaurant industry. So having such uh, reliable and accurate chain data as kind of our jumping off point certainly helps a lot with our forecast too and the accuracy of all of our forward looking numbers. Right. I would have imagined it would have been very difficult if you went and looked back at the, in fact, I know it would be difficult. If you look back at the last recession, the previous recession, and then tried to judge uh, what would happen from this. If you if you would have made a, a prediction 
it would have taken a lot longer for this industry to to recover. That's the, the the remarkable thing about this one is that the impact was much more severe, but the recovery was a lot quicker um, this time around, which is a previous recession. It actually took a little bit for the industry to recover. You know, the industry recovers recovery back then was a little slower. Well, yeah, it's a, it's a great point. And I, and I think one of the reasons for that is there were two different types of, of downturns, right? I mean, 2008, 2009 was an economic recession. You know, if you think back to January, February of 2020, this, you know, this economy was at record low unemployment and, you know, things were doing great. And then, you know, basically every state in the country closed restaurants. And so it wasn't as though consumer demand for restaurants suddenly dropped, right? I mean, it was sort of artificially taken away because of of the mandated closures. And so, uh, you know, when the entire industry gets shut down like that, that's, you know, that's going to be the steepest decline we've ever seen. And, you know, again, if you look back at our numbers from last year, I mean, they're, they're just ridiculously low relative to anything I've ever seen. But, you know, you start to reopen the, the you know, the, the economic uh, flow and people start returning back and, you know, and, and that demand never disappeared. And so, I guess going back to your earlier question about is it surprising, I guess in a way it's less surprising just because, you know, people were, were you know, it's become such a big part of their lifestyle of, you know, how they eat. And it was sort of taken away from them for, you know, 8, 10, 12 months, you know, depending on where you live and how you measure it. And now they're they're returning with a vengeance. Right. Right. That 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 uh, that's definitely for sure. Um, I guess. Uh, so do we have any sense like so the consumer we get the the consumers really changed. We've 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 seen this this massive shift from full service to limited service. How much of this do we think is permanent? Do we think that that uh, or do, you th- do we think that at least some of this change is, is temporary and that things are going to go back to to the way they were? Well, I, I I don't know that they'll ever necessarily go back exactly the way they were, right? But I think you know certainly if you look out five years, we you know we're showing again sort of that moderating growth number, and you know full service restaurants at some point you know are are going to reach back. You know the, the thing that's interesting that I wanted to mention before when we were talking about the chains is that just before the pandemic, we had three or four years where independent restaurants or non-type top 500 restaurants were actually growing faster than chains, right? I mean, it was really a, a sea change in terms of how consumers were using restaurants and they were flocking to independent restaurants. And so that that demand hasn't gone away, right? For that local restaurant or to support local business or the, the unique differentiated ex- experience that consumers get at local restaurants. So that's going to bounce back, right? So at some point, uh, you know, and you see it, you know, certainly here in Chicago, which is an independently driven town, right? I mean, you know, restaurants are doing, you know, where where they're open are, you know, bouncing back. And so I think the independence, it's going to take a couple of years. And certainly, you know, with the closures that we saw on the independent side, as opposed to the chain side, they've got to sort of play catch up. But I think, you know, if we're looking back, you know, if we're standing here in four or five years, you know, I think limited service will still have been on an elevated growth run. But, you know, I, I mean, I've read some articles that have pronounced the death knell of casual dining or a fine dining. And I don't think any of those are going away. They've been significantly impacted and they declined precipitously. They're not going away and they'll, they'll bounce back. It, it'll, it'll take some time, especially fine dining and, you know, independence. But, you know, four or five years from now, it, things, will, things will start to look, you know, and again, it won't look the, the exact same, but 
we'll start to get back to a point where, where you know, the, the full service side will, will play catch up with, with limited service. Where do you think things are going, Kevin? Yeah, I, I second what Dave says. It's, it's definitely going to take full service uh, a while to catch up in terms of location count. You know, they're at a disadvantage now of just so many more closures. But thinking about consumer behaviors, I think the off-premise uh, kind of part of the industry will continue to, to grow. Uh, I think it's a level of convenience that consumers... I don't know if they're going to want to give it up anytime soon. Um, you know, being able to seamlessly order, make a transaction just so quickly and easily from home and have it at your doorstep. I think a lot of people, you know, millennials like myself will be, uh, will, will just continue to want to have that con uh, convenience factor for many years to come. So I don't see that part of the industry going away uh, much in the future. I mean, it, it will decline as people get out and visit restaurants in person. Um, but I don't know, it's, it's just a level of convenience that people aren't going to want to give away now, Jonathan. Right. Yeah. And I think Jonathan, and, and, you know, this might be interesting for your, for your readers as well. So, you know, we also publish a total food industry forecast it actually just came out um, and if you remember back before the pandemic, consumer spending, not necessarily meal occasions, but consumer spending was, was actually about 51.49 in favor of food service, right? So consumers are spending 51% of every food and beverage dollar uh, away from home. That uh, in terms of where we're looking at our 2021 numbers right now, that'll probably be somewhere south of 40%, right? So there was a, a big drop in the food service share of stomach. But if you look at our growth numbers for, uh, you know, and we forecast retail as well, uh, you know, food service is going to claw that back. And so you also have to look at sort of restaurant and food service performance in the context of the broader food industry, because, you know, obviously grocery had a banner year last year as people were stuck at home and were shopping in grocery stores. But a lot of that behavior is going to shift back to the food service. And, you know, it's not just restaurants, it's hotels, it's business feeders, it's school cafeterias, you know, all of those places are going to start to regain share and have started to regain share. And so, you know, it, it'll take a while to get back to that 50-50 split, but we're going to see every year food service regain some, some share points against uh, the retail counterparts. Gentlemen, this is fantastic. Appreciate you joining us this week on the podcast. Thanks for having Thank us, Jonathan. Jonathan. Pleasure. And this should do it for this week's episode of A Deeper Dive, which was edited, as always, by Kimberly Kazmarek. Artwork by Nico Hines. You may find this and other episodes on our website at www.restaurantbusinessonline.com backslash article backslash deeper dash dive. You may also subscribe on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or anywhere you get your podcasts. I'm Jonathan Mays, your host, podcast producer, and the editor-in-chief of Restaurant Business. Thank you for listening. Restaurant business members enjoy exclusive benefits from access to unlimited premium content and members-only research from Technomic to monthly recipe demos and private roundtables with restaurant business editors. Subscribe now with code RBPODCAST21 to access your free 30-day trial to unlock industry insights that will move your operation forward.